Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. Yeah! And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah! Oh, oh the dickens. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I guess it's how you looked at it last night watching the Pacer game. Either you liked it because you were one of those that say, hey, most opportunities at ping pong balls and not making the play-in tournament of the NBA. You don't want the Pacers being any part of that. You probably dug what happened. You're probably apprehensive about that first quarter and then really didn't like what went down the rest of the way. Now, if you were somebody that just wanted to see a sniff, a smidge of any element of postseason around here whatsoever, then you were probably bummed. I was bummed, and here's why. I was bummed because they came out of the gate, played so well in the first quarter, and they got progressively awful. And even without Halliburton, at the end of the season, I, I don't care really what's happening with the group that you have. I want to see them play their best. I don't want to see them go down the toilet like that for the sake of you know, an extra tenth of a percentage point or whatever. I want to see them play. I don't want to see them look like that. That was just awful. Awful. JJ's going to join us a little bit later on from Bally Sports Indiana. We'll discuss what took place in the progressively awful category of this Pacer team last night. It started out like, wow. And again, that's not the type of team that you would expect to be able to do that. I mean, Charlotte. But I thought that that was disappointing, probably more disappointing than a lot of you thought it to be last night. I will say this, in what has been a season, in what has been an off-season so far, of a great deal of negativity, I can get on board with Isaiah McKenzie. I don't know what the future might hold, But I'll look at it from this standpoint. I cannot sit here on a daily basis and whine and cry and shake my fist about this team going out and getting whomever the quarterback is going to be, especially if it's going to be a rookie. And if you guys got a chance to see the Mel Kuyper Jr. draft 2.0, whatever it is now, mock draft, we'll get to that in just a second. But again, sitting here assuming it's going to be a rookie quarterback, Got to give the guy some help. I don't care if it's Minshew. You got to give the guy some help. 
Needed to give the guy a year ago some help. Now, he probably could not have, with his arm, got it down the field, but you could have, should have, certainly didn't. But I will say this, Isaiah McKenzie, just keep trying to add. And I I don't want this to come off sounding bad. It sounds like a backhanded compliment. But I mentioned this. This is kind of like, Chris Ballard's forte. There are a lot of things I wish that he'd do differently. And again, as we've talked about, I don't think that he's ever going to do it differently. Uh, He might own up to the past and the results not being there. But as far as drifting away from what he felt is building a winning football team, I think it's just it's going to be boom or bust for him. And so far, we know what the outcome has been. And that's why I told you after the conversation we had, sitting right there next to him, that's exactly the way that I felt. Yeah, this guy's not going to move very far off of what his convictions of building a team might be. You know, even if people like me sit here from 3 until 6 and whine and cry about it, but I can't, honestly, I can't sit here in judgment as I do often and not say, hey, I like this. Because I do like this. It's not just because it's the wide receiving category and because I'm Mr. Wide Receiver. It is because you do add something. You get busy. And Chris Ballard, Chris Ballard in free agency is like, you guys probably do this too. I am not down in as much as I like me a fantastic bag of the greatest chip of all time, barbecued Fritos. The corn chip of champions, as much as I am down with that, the 419 or the 450 that might be on that old Kroger price tag, I'm not really down with that at all. So you will find me. I do. I try to track down when I'm going to the local Kroger down on 135. If it says like wow on it, I'm going to look at it. <laughs> like I'll go back there in the meat department and it'll say Wow. And then you look at the meat and it's already gray and you go, I don't know about how wow this is going to be here. This may hurt my stomach. Wow. I don't know. So I think Chris Ballard, he shops in free agency like I shop at Kroger. Oh, wow. I think I'll get that. Like if there was a bin of wide receivers, you just like put that sticker. Wow. And hey, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get it. But that's that's how I do it. That's how he has done it. That is not going to change. I would not look for, again, anything to significantly change whatsoever. But he did address a big-time need. And I would suggest continuing to try to do it. That's my suggestion. What do you look at it right now as far as the wide receiving group is concerned? Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, Doolin's back, Strawn, and then like three dudes most of you probably haven't heard of, and you add Isaiah McKenzie, so more work needs to be done. More work needs to be done, too, in the tight end department. Whatever rookie you end up drafting, that rookie's going to need lots of help, and whether or not you feel comfortable with Gardner Minshew as a stopgap if the rookie is not ready or if the rookie gets in trouble or whatever, then just great. Like, I'll give you what I hope. 
And while I know everybody talks about the facial hair and, you know, Napoleon Dynamite, Uncle Rico, and all that stuff, and that's funny, and it's good, and I love Napoleon Dynamite. Love it. But I really, I don't really want to see him play. That makes sense? I don't want to see him play because I want to see who they draft be ready to come in as a rookie and perform at least to a level where you don't feel the need to play the veteran backup. I understand the whole insurance policy part of it, and I'm glad that it's there. You have to do that. And it's somebody that Shane Steichen knows, has worked with, and trusts, knows this stuff. That is beautiful. That is well done. But for me... I would love to see them be able to draft somebody that they felt competent enough and compelled enough as a rookie to step in in week number one and start playing. Like, I don't know what you guys think that Gardner Minshew is there for the first quarter of the season, the first half of the season. And I know, listen, I know where they're drafting and we may not be talking about anybody ready-made, and I'll get into the Mel Kuyper Jr. agreement with me coming up in just a bit. Maybe not in the design about how it's going to happen, but for the player-wise, yes. But I would like to see that player get in and get going. Just get in and go with it. I think we all know what to expect. I just don't want to see Gardner Minshew play. Like, as a backup quarterback, again, that's okay. Insurance policy, but, you know, to come here to, yeah, you got to get some reps. I I don't want to see that. You want to go ahead and start the clock on the guy to get used to stuff. Because maybe in this particular season, let's just say hypothetically that it is a rookie quarterback and it's the guy that I've told you it's going to be the entirety of the time, Will Levis. I've been very skeptical, as you well know, about Will Levis. You saw yesterday when Todd McShay and Chris Sims and others broke down the top-level rookie quarterbacks coming out. You saw what they had to say about C.J. Stroud. Did you guys check out Todd McShay going back to that Georgia game? He got a, a bit of a rookie quarterback sports arousal out of that Georgia game watching Stroud play. You know what? I know that to be true because I had the pop tent going, too. I know exactly what he felt in watching that again. I watched it once, and I thought, yeah, that's the type of guy that this team needs. That is the future type of guy. Now, unfortunately, he's going to be unavailable because Carolina staked their claim. But ideally, you would much rather see whomever it is. Your rookie quarterback, get in there and get those reps. I know this guy is not going to be Andrew Luck. And I know how Andrew Luck ended around here. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being ready to go at that moment. Being ready to go. This is not like a Kansas City. Well, Alex Smith played for Patrick Mahomes different entirely. This is not a team that looks to be good to go. Or can still win with a veteran quarterback. This is a team that needs to be put back together again. 
And again, part of that evolution, much like what we've seen with the Pacers, part of that evolution is going to be getting the right pieces there. No, and I'm glad, too, and I, I will own it. If they draft Levis, and he is the guy, and he starts in week one because they feel he is good enough, if he has that cannon arm that he talked about, and you can see he is the guy, then I will tell you, you know what? What I saw last year was inaccurate, and I'll give all credit to Jason Bush out in Greenfield, who is a huge Kentucky fan and has absolutely told me every week, basically, that Will Levis should be the guy. So I guess what I'm saying is, if it's at three, if it's at four, where they currently reside, whatever you do, I want to see them draft a guy that is going to be good to go. I want to talk to Gardner Menchu. I wanted to last week, and I kind of screwed the pooch on that. That was my bad. I got downstairs, and I'm sitting there, and I go, hey, wait a minute. You know what? He's over there right now talking, and then I lobbed a phone call in, and I think he was in the car, and I screwed that up. That was the uh, start of the tournament, though. It was on a Thursday, I believe, when I was over at the garage. But I do want to talk to him because I love interviewing these guys. These guys are are mostly entertaining. I mean, really, all of them have been entertaining when you think about it. You go all the way back to Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers was exactly like Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning was, when he came on here so many different times, all you had to do was ask a question, and then he would go about 15 minutes. It's beautiful. And it wasn't a boring 15 minutes either. It wasn't like this. Oh, wait a minute. 15 minutes, it seems like 30. No, it was a great 15 minutes. And when you look at it, Wentz wasn't that bad. His first time on here. Last year, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan went for a good 25 minutes and was very entertaining. And hit all the right notes, said all the right things. Remember, he had mentioned, I asked him how many years he felt he had. He said he felt he had four years of high-level football remaining. Now, when you look back on it, it didn't look like he had four minutes of high-level football remaining. But he said four years. It was still an entertaining conversation. So, yeah, talking to Gardner Minshew would be great. I'm just talking about playing here. Playing time, again, you want to be able to zone in on a guy that you're going to draft and you want to go ahead and start that clock of playing. Get him used to everything. Because while everybody knows and expects what you're going to get coming up in 2023, you know, proving some things early, building up a little bit of excitement with a group, overachieving for once and not underachieving consistently, How about overachieving once? Be like me in algebra. Get a C. Be overachieving. Everybody's looking for some overachievement this year. I think that would be a good start. Now, I mentioned Mel Kuyper Jr. had his latest mock draft. He has the Colts trading up to number three. And trading up to number three because they want to draft Will Levis. And that's according to Mel Kuyper Jr., and I don't like I thought that they could get him at four. Now, part of the issue is somebody's going to trade up to three to get another quarterback. And is it Levis or is it Richardson that they like? I think I saw it was either McShay or maybe it was Chris Sims that had Hendon Hooker up there, I think, in the top four, too, where you could get again much later. And a lot of you have been on board with that. 
coming back from an injury, being a little bit older. But seemingly right up the alley of Chris, that would definitely be a going shopping at Kroger, and there's a wow sticker there. And again, this is not a backhanded compliment. This is just the way that Chris Ballard likes to handle things. Unless you're talking about an offensive lineman. (laughs) Well, not all of them. One or two. Into left tackle. One or two. It's like that wow. I'm always looking for the wow. Here's the wow. I hope that Isaiah McKenzie can be the wow. Or I tell you what, let's backpedal on that. I hope that Isaiah McKenzie can help out whomever the next quarterback is going to be. Because that quarterback is going to be a rookie. There's no way in the world that quarterback is going to be Lamar Jackson, right? Does that make sense to anybody? Am I hypocritical because I sit here and I want to see them show signs and build some excitement and over-deliver, over-achieve? And when I say that, am I wrong? Am I hypocritical because I say that the whole Lamar Jackson thing makes zero sense to me right now? And there was, via social media last night, a little bit of justification. In fact, I think Stephen Holder had something that was mentioned that got retweeted by Adam Schefter and then kind of people ran with it. I just don't think that that is all the play here. And that has nothing to do with the skill set or the age or anything like that. It is just being able to finish a season. They have a laundry list of quarterbacks around here that have done what over the years? Uh, Besides underachieved. Miss time. Miss time. That, to me, would not be the investment that I would go with. The fact that the best part of his game is running around and extending the play, I am a little bit surprised by some of you. I think I want to go back all the way to 2014, and I have a great memory. But 2014... I'm on a flight back from Seattle. I'd been in Alaska for a week. And I'm on a flight back from Seattle. I stopped in Denver and they said, hey, you can't board with that. And I go, okay, I can't. I'll take this magazine instead. So I get this magazine. I'm reading NFL magazine. And it talked about it talked about the signature of Andrew Luck was extending the play. It was in quotes, extending the play. And then it went on to talk about the gray area and talk about the number of hits that he has sustained. And I think a a majority of those that we'd all understand looking back on it now, a majority of those, it was on him. I mean, a majority of those extending the play and that was his signature. And we thought it was great. And we talked about nobody extends the play quite like he does. And that is great until you take so many of those. And this magazine article was right. You take so many of those, and it turns into a major detriment. Mark my words on Josh Allen in Buffalo. He's going to be next. Like Joe Burrow comes by it honestly, and they're trying to fix that, obviously, with left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. with the Bengals. Burrow comes by it honestly. He just gets his ass sacked too much. But... The guys I'm talking about are running around 
and taking these hits because that is either A, how they're wired, or B, a part of the reason why that they're so significantly good. And man, that douses your fire before it's time. I mean, that really does. That can take its toll. We have seen it here. And then you would end up getting somebody that has already gone through that, has been shown the past couple of years that it hadn't been sustainable. And just beyond the investment itself in both assets and monetarily, I don't know why anybody would want to go in that direction here. I understand the whole quick fix mentality of it. But the quick fix is what we've been going through on this hamster wheel for the past three years. That's been the quick fix. All I'm talking about here is showing signs over-delivering on something. I don't think that's too much to ask. But clearly, because we have seen it in recent history, the quick fix around here is way too much to ask. All that it has done is bring on more Colts fan heartache for you. So I don't know why people continue to suggest that. Actually, I take that back. I do know why. Because you're sick and tired of losing. And you do think that's a quick fix. And you believe that that could be a difference maker because he plays the most important position in all of sports. And he does, when healthy, play it at a high level. But it has, and it will continue to be for me, a huge pass. Now, if that makes me a hypocrite, on the whole timetable I have for this team, then so be it. But that, for me, is a huge pass. We'll discuss that a little bit more. Stephen Holder, who had the article yesterday of ESPN.com, he's scheduled to join us coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. I think J.J.'s north of the border, right? Are we all good with J.J. from Valley Sports, Indiana? I was a little bit disappointed last night. I just don't want to see them play like that against a team like that. I think that's okay of me. I think that's okay to be disappointed by, wow, look at that first quarter. Holy crap, look at the rest of the three. That's how I felt last night. I was massively disappointed. And here's why. I thought the IU women, I thought that they had a Final Four run in them. You know how much I like Grace Berger. Grace Berger's been on the show. Just an outstanding conversation. And you know me, I love basketball. And my skills keep my actually me playing basketball looked like the Pacers last night without the first quarter. That's me getting from like second to the fourth, bad to progressively awful. That's how I'm going right now. I don't know if there's any way to stop it. I have like an avalanche of bad going on right now. I don't know if I need an exorcism or circumcision. I don't something scism. Something. Because <laughs> I'm a mess. I am a, and nobody calls me out better than me. I am an absolute detriment to you anyway. I felt so bad for Grace Berger because she has meant so much for that program. Now, obviously, Terry Moran, but Grace Berger has been there and everything has just fit in and year after year gotten better around her. And last night, they ran into a team. Miami was tough now. Those two twins were more noted for, you know, social media stuff. But hitting a free throw and a three, they stepped, there, stepped up down the stretch. And I know that there was a travel, and I know everybody, you know, blames the officials and all of that. 
But, I mean, let's face it, the IU women had their chances last night. They just did not cash in. And that is highly disappointing. But I did want to give a shout-out to Grace Berger because she has been just an absolute joy to watch. And again, from somebody that loves basketball like me, somebody who will always love basketball, even through all this stuff we're going through right now. Like, I was having a conversation with my mom last night. My mom says, you know, all this blah, 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 and you know, transfer portal stuff, I can't keep track, and I'm just going to turn it off, you know, like that. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. Why don't you just turn it off? Because I can, because I love it. And I'll adapt to it. Yeah, I don't dig the transfer portal either. This NIL thing without any guardrails whatsoever is turning everything upside down. But when it comes down to it, they still at center court tip it up to start a game. And I'm going to still be sitting there watching it. All right. The officials aren't that good. They let travels go. The Euro step is a huge travel. They pawn the ball. All this stuff that old farts like me often will complain about. At the end of it all, I'm still going to be sitting there watching. But it's been an absolute joy to watch Grace Berger play and be such a significant piece for the building of what they believe to be, and I'm with them, a consistently high-level basketball program for the women in Bloomington. I think that's outstanding. But I felt incredibly bad for Grace Berger last night. I think everybody else, for the most part, comes back, right? The essential pieces of that team, they come back. But you know, she obviously has has been the foundation of, of that build to get to where it is. And last night at the end of that game was a tough watch. It was. So a shout-out to Grace Berger for just being awesome. Absolutely awesome. And has been a joy to watch her perform down in Bloomington. All right, 239-1070. Email address... Jam via 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I hope everybody's doing well in there. I'll jump in. It seems like that uh, nobody decided to. I guess I blame it on myself. I think all my stuff has, like, got no battery juice here. <laughs> Something's happening, and I don't like it. I'll jump in there in just a second inside the lounge via YouTube Live. The stream, the app, HD Radio. Greg Rakestraw, Stephen Holder, JJ, all still to come. This is 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. The Sportos, Motorheads, Geeks, Sluts, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. JJ North of the Border in the Four. Stephen Holder's going to be here. I don't know if he's going to try to convince anybody on Lamar Jackson. I am trying to persuade you not to be on board with that and giving you, I think, substantial and legitimate and reasonable reasons as to why you shouldn't. 
He's going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Charles Bryant sent me this. Hey, JMV, the next time you're in the Kroger on 135. 135 and is there Smoky Row down there, I believe? It's the one further south, not the one that's up around Fry Road, but 135 and I'm going to say Smoky Row. That's my Kroger. Pick up some Hartwell's Premium Creamy Dill Ranch in the produce section. Best in America. I will. Now, we'll say this, Charles. I may need somebody to slam a wow sticker on that thing. Do you mind? Because I know this is probably good stuff, and you may not want, because I guess sometimes that can be viewed as a detriment. It's like, all right, there's a wow sticker on this because it's been on this shelf for like a year, and nobody's buying it. But it'd be great for me if you can slam a wow sticker on it. I love the wow sticker. But I will look out for this Creamy Dill Ranch from Hartwell's. Thank you, Charles. Meantime, Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline to start the day. The voice of nearly everything around here when it comes to high school, collegiate, professional. He is our friend, Greg Rakestraw. Hello, Greg. Hello, my friend, and I can vouch for Hartwell's. It is really good stuff. Really? So- In fact, I am, I am friends with the owner of Hartwell's, and so if you would like... You know, like a month-long supply, yes. I'm sure I can get that arranged for you. I can get down with some creamy dill ranch. You know, normally I like something with a little spice to it, a little buffalo thing. But I, th- I think with age, I don't. my stomach doesn't handle the spice as it did years ago, right? I used to be a huge red beans and rice, like five, six times a week guy. That was back. Remember the 90s when you ate pasta and rice and they said it was low in fat and good for you? It was like dietary. <laughs> And then I jumped on board, and my ass got real fat. (laughs) It was like snack wells. Snack wells. Hey, look how low fat. Okay, wait a minute. Well, where's this coming from then? There's no low fat in this. But I jumped on board on that. I did nothing but red beans and rice, and I would just slam it with hot sauce. Because they would also, hot sauce supposedly will help um, speed up. Uh, your, your, Digestion. Yeah. Right? Well, not yeah. even, no, not uh, your uh, burning your fat. Yeah, metabolism, burning fat process. So I bought into all that and, and clearly it didn't help, but I was a big fan of red beans and rice. So I I just can't really do it as much as I, I used to anymore, I guess, 25 years later, unfortunately. Well, clearly, of all of your friends, I'm probably the last one you should ask about weight loss. I would go the opposite direction, whatever I have to say. <laughs> well, I'll try the Hartwells, though. I am down with the Hartwells Creamy Dill Ranch Dressing. I'm down with that right there. Thank you. Um, let's get some thoughts collegiately. Uh, there was a promo that just played, talked about Purdue, talked about IU, things that I wanted to see happen. I wanted to see Matt kind of shake loose of the past couple of years and you know the double seed losses like that. And unfortunately, uh, the team's play made it worse. I wanted to see Trey shake loose of, well, he was really good and productive, but never won anything, never went deep in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and we saw that didn't happen. What, where do we gather a couple of days later after both of those teams were eliminated from the NCAA tournament? You know, it's it's a different ball of wax for Purdue than Indiana. And normally Indiana is held to a higher standard. That's not the case here. Yes, Indiana had a disappointing end of the season. Yes, people had hoped for at least the second weekend, if not the final four. And going into the tournament, we said, hey, you're not sure what's possible. They could be done the first round. They could be, you know, they could be playing the final weekend. I didn't think they'd make the final weekend. It's because I had not seen them string together really good performances, you know, more than, say, two or three times in a row the entire season. 
you know, their, their highs are really good and their lows are really bad. And we saw one of their lows, not for 40 minutes, but for the opening five minutes and the last five minutes um, against Miami, and that was enough to do them in. Uh, and so disappointing, but still, and I realize the bar has not been set very high at this, this is the best season Indiana's had in some time. And now, obviously, things will change with no trace, and expect there to be no Jalen hood Shafino. But again, um, it is much easier to restock the cupboard now than it used to be. You know, and while there are talented freshmen coming in, and they are in on you know several big recruits in, in a couple of different classes, you don't have to do that route anymore. It's not hard to recruit to Indiana when you draw 17,000 fans a game, and the name, image, likeness money tends to be pretty good in Bloomington. You can kind of go and, and pick off players that want to go elsewhere. You can do that. And so while you can be disappointed that it didn't work out better for Trace in terms of his final NCAA tournament, they will find uh, you know a player that is maybe not far from his skill set. You can find that guy in the transfer portal. Produce a completely different story. And they could have a big chunk of that team back next year. And what we have said in terms of, hey, Big Ten championship is nice. Big Ten tournament title is nice. What do you do in March? Okay, that conversation just got amplified by like a factor of 15. Because now let's spin this forward. They have a great run in November. What's everybody going to say? What are you going to do in March? You have a great run in December. You do great in the Big Ten. Everybody's going to say, it doesn't matter. What are you going to do in March? And frankly, even if you have a great March next year, if you play into April next year, people are still going to talk about what happened against Fairleigh Dickinson. And I'll cite the example of Virginia from the day before. Like the common phrase or stats on Twitter you would see was, Hey, look, Virginia lost to a 16, won the national championship. Then they've been out in the first round each of the last two tournaments they've played in. You know, so we're still talking about Virginia, even with a national title. We're talking about UVA as being a program that historically loses in the opening round. That is what we're going to talk about with Purdue. I'm not sure how you truly recover from this because it's going to keep being brought up for a long time, even if you back it up with a really good tournament run next year. Yeah, no doubt about that. That thing is is they're going to carry that around their neck for a while. There's there's no question about that. What what do you think about everybody, especially some of the Purdue fans, suggesting that they were over Matt Painter and he needed to be fired? That's just the immediate knee-jerk reaction. Now, that does not mean that he is not without blame. I mean, I, I'm watching that game on Friday going, Matt, do something. Change something. Do something different offensively, defensively, substitution pattern. Don't, you know, don't take three timeouts in the final two minutes. Use those now. So, Matt's performance on Friday was every bit as bad as his players' performance was on Friday. But, now, does that mean that it's time to move on from Matt Painter? Of course not. But much like the players will be thinking, okay, how, how do we remedy this come next March? He has to be doing that right now. Everything that he does in the offseason has to be, how do I make this program a better program in the NCAA tournament? You have to reevaluate like everything that you do and how you get from A to B. Everything has to be okay. We, we have to change things up. I'm talking about clearing the house and, and getting rid of personnel or assistant coaches, et cetera. 
you have to check and see exactly how you build your team up to get to that point in the season because clearly how you've been doing it has not been working with the ultimate test. So is Matt Painter going anywhere? Of course not, and he shouldn't go anywhere. But does he have to say, okay, we got to do things differently? Absolutely, he does. Scoring-wise, I mean, just scoring in general, when you put up 58 points against yep. Fairleigh Dickinson, has to be just incredibly better. We saw there's 16 turnovers, 19% shooting from three-point land. You're not going to beat anybody in putting up those types of numbers. I, I just think with this team, and people will argue, well, Zach Eady gives them easy, score, or, uh, easy scores. But something easy score-wise out of the half-court set. Right? right? Like, I understand when you want to run sets and stay in your offense. And I was talking to Dusty May about this yesterday. But when you have an opportunity to free flow that up to court, run a little bit of a break, and find easy points that way, got to take it. And I just think Purdue right. has to find more ways to find points easier other than going to Edie in the low post and the half-court set. And frankly, I, I think, and I'm not trying to absolve the blame or saying that Friday was not as bad. No, it was terrible. Okay, but it's also part of the reason why, to me, it actually it amplifies how big of a swing and a miss last year was, because you have the ultimate guy that gets easy points in, in yeah. Jaden Ivey, and the again, even though the ranking was higher this year, I thought the pieces were better last year. And to this group's ever loving credit, they overachieved. Last year's team did not have anything they can point to in terms of tangible, hey, this is a great year for us. This year's group does have a Big Ten title. This year's group does have a Big Ten tournament title, which is more than last year's group does. But, again, knowing that you had a Jaden Ivey and knowing that you're playing, you know, a, a, a the 15 seed in St. Peter's and you couldn't get past them in a very similar fashion uh, to how you just played against Fairleigh Dickinson this past week, it, it, it makes the miss of, of last year even more difficult to swallow for me. Yeah, I just I kind of think of it this way, though. A year ago, the argument was that the guys will stand around and watch Jay Nivey make a play. Yep. And, you know, now the argument's much different, I guess, in the form of, of Zach Eady. And then you can't stand on your own offensively when called upon. And, and it was it was just miserable going back to Friday, no doubt about that. Greg Rakestraw is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So what class finals are you doing coming up Saturday? I have the 3A and 4A games. So I have Northwood and Garing Catholic at 6, followed by Ben Davis and Kokomo at about 8.15. All right, we'll get to that in a second. I want to start with Lutheran here, a local team that has yep. gone south and come up through the south and disposed of Bloomfield, Ligoti, Rock Creek, and now they get Southwood coming up in the state. Quite a run for a team that I guess, from what people tell me, they like to get up and down the floor a little bit. They, they do, and they're playing a team that presses in Southwood. So a friend of mine is one of the officials for that game, and he texted me. You know, we get deep in the and he goes, hey, what, what games do you have? What games do you have? And he goes, I'm on the 1A championship game. And I go, get your track shoes on. <laughs> As when Southwood played, and it's, it's a brand-new head coach. It's first-year head coach Christian Perry, but the fundamentals of their program are the same that John Burris had for so many years. They played Morristown in the state finals five years ago. Yellow Jackets scored 95 Southwood Press and Morristown said, fine, <laughs> and then went up and down the floor. Lutheran will not back down. If Southwood wants to press him, Lutheran will happily oblige and get up and down the floor with them. So Remus Woods has done a great job building that program. And a lot of the same things we would say about them in football, you say about them in basketball. 
So they're a 1A school that plays and what has turned into a 2A and, and even 3A conference with Beach Grove. And Lutheran's a really good basketball team. I saw them play against Speedway in early February. And Speedway wasn't great that year. You could see, though, that, that Lutheran had a level of athleticism and level of depth that you don't often see at the, at the 1A level. So one thing that will be different for them is they'll go to be the favorite. You know, against Bloomfield, not the favorite. Against Lagodi, not the favorite. They will be against Southwood on Saturday, and we'll see how Coach Woods' bunch adapts to that. But uh, I, I like their chances because, like, again, I think they came through the tougher half of the bracket and knocked off what people thought were the two best teams in the southern half of, of 1A in terms of Lagodi as well as uh, uh, beating Bloomfield around before that. All right, Greg, Linton and Fort Wayne Blackhawk. Blackhawk lost to North Davies if you want a, a common play-in team, uh, as Linton would have, by five in overtime early in the season. Blackhawk is coached by – that's Matt Roth from IU, correct? That is correct. And obviously, you know, the fundamentals of this program – uh, are built on Mark Davidson, who yeah. we lost uh, at, at the end of last season. And one of his many basketball-playing sons is, is still playing at, at Blackhawk Christian. But this is a program now that has turned into, simply put, one of the best outside of 4A every year. Uh, and even they are not a member of the Summit Athletic Conference, they basically play a full um, you know, Summit Conference schedule, which means they largely play 4A competition, What's unique, though, is that they go down to southwestern Indiana every year. They play in When they played North Davies, that was in their annual Bobcat Classic, which was before Christmas this year. Uh, in fact, it actually wrapped up right after Christmas, a couple of days before North Davies, and would go play in the Hall of Fame Classic in Newcastle. And so it, it kind of gives them more of an idea as to what Linton Stockton you know, would like to do and can do. And again, in, in talking with some friends of mine about this game, you know, what makes Linton unique is not just having a kid like Joey Hart that's super good, but they've got a lot of football kids in that team. Of course, Brian Oliver has built that into a wonderful football program at Linton Stockton, but they are big and physical for 2A. Well, Blackhawk Christian may be not as big as, and physical, but they play a lot of teams that are like that, which means I think we are looking at a really good matchup on Saturday. Again, I would lean towards Linton because I think their best player is the best player on the floor in Joey Hart. But Blackhawk Christian will absolutely give them a game because they are so battle-tested by the schedule they play during the regular season. He is Greg Raystraw with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You're doing 3A. That's Northwood and Garen. And Garen here locally is on quite a run here recently. They are. And, and they came through the open half of the bracket. Um, in, in my years of doing the pairing show, I'm not sure that I ever went into it in, in half of a bracket and going, I have no idea who's coming out of this group uh, because there were five or six teams you could point to and say, maybe it's them, maybe it's them. I think in the final 3A poll, I think only two of the top ten teams were actually in the southern half of the draw. Garen actually lost to both of their conference rivals in Brabuff and Chittard. They would then turn around and beat in their sectional. And then once they got through that, it largely has been smooth sailing for them. Uh, Beach Grove and then Scottsburg were the last two teams uh, that they were able to beat. There had been a slew of upsets during the course of the 3A uh, bracket. Northwood has not succumbed to them. Northwood is the clear number one in 3A. Uh, they've got two young men in Cade Brenner and Ian Rosh. They're going to play at Huntington and Grace, respectively. And those that know small college basketball 
No, that has turned into, in the Crossroads League, one of the best leagues outside of Division One in the nation. That is, And I'm talking about all divisions. That's how good the Crossroads League has become. And so you got a couple of kids that are going to go play there. Immediately, it tells me you're pretty good. I saw them. I had them in the Hall of Fame Classic. They led Ben Davis at halftime, kind of wore down in the second half, as a lot of teams do against Ben Davis. They beat North Davies in the first game that they played over the Hall of Fame Classic. They're good. They're not very deep. And Garen does match them from a size perspective. Both those two teams have uncommon size, almost even for the 4A level, let alone the 3A level. Again, Northwood's the favorite. I think Garen can hang with them on Saturday night. All right, you're also doing 4A. Kokomo, Ben Davis, what do we take away from their first meeting in which I think Ben Davis won by seven, did they not? Correct. And and, and it's you know almost four months ago at this point. And so – it's important to note that Dowdy and Badunga, you know, match up very similar to each other in terms of the half-court game. Um, in, in Kokomo's defense, probably their second-best player is Shane Spears. going to play football at the University of Finley at the Division II level. He was hurt from the end of the football season, and Kokomo made the football semi-state. So they had some guys that really weren't exactly basketball ready. Uh, they have a lot of football players on their team. It was their third game of the year. So you can sit there and say, hey, Kokomo has more of their full complement of guys for this one than they did back on December the 3rd. Um, and, and you can also say that Floyd Badunga is still so relatively near to the sport and work and developing his game at a rapid pace that he's a better player than he was probably December the 3rd. And that'd be an accurate statement, too. I also think Ben Davis is a better team than they were back then. And Ben, you know, Ben Davis was really good to start the year. I mean, look at the teams they beat right out of the chute. But when K.J. Wyndham got hurt, when they beat Cathedral the first time, and Mark Zachary was inserted in the starting lineup, and K.J. started coming off the bench when he returned in late December, the pieces seemingly fit better for Ben Davis. You, you, you brought one more defensive-minded guy to the starting lineup, you put more of an offensive guy on the bench in terms of KJ and winning base. When he gets in the game, let it go. Let let you know fire away. Let's see what you're doing from an offensive standpoint. Right. I think both teams are better than what they were back in December the third. Again, you got to lean towards Ben Davis because they've been so good and they played such a ridiculously good schedule to get to this point of the year. But absolutely, Kokomo can hang with them on Saturday night. So Greg Raystraw's got the 3A and the 4A for you. It's going to be a fantastic Saturday down at Gambridge Fieldhouse. The boys' IHSAA state championship basketball games, all four classes repped on Saturday. And uh, Greg Raystraw got you very educated on each and every team right there via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always a pleasure, my friend. I'm assuming at some point on Saturday night I'll get a call in, too. You will. Now, again, because of, of the timing, it's going to be a little bit late. I may have to, like, delve into, like, the se- – I may not be on until 11. So I'm going to have to make, like, my first 70s request. Super sounds of the 70s system. after 11s. Built for you, brother. Uh, I, I think a little, you know, K-Billy's, you know, stuck yes. in the middle with you as a nod to Reservoir Dog. That might be my phone call. A little green bag is what you're thinking about right there, or stuck in the middle with you by Steeler's Wheel, something like that. Steeler's Wheel would be the direction I would go. I love it. All right, brother. I'll look forward to it. All right, be good, buddy. Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. JJ after four. Stephen Holder, and we'll talk a little bit about why people want Lamar Jackson, how much sense that makes around here. I would be one that does not. We'll talk about that and more coming up. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Rakestraw Podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Again, anything you need to know about the high school state finals, he sets you up there with everything. Little collegiate conversation, too. And again, I want to shout out to Grace Berger. Grace Berger has been an absolute joy to watch. And I know that things did not end at all the way that she and they thought they might last night against Miami. Again, if you're looking for foundational pieces to the start of something big, that would be it. And like us, like us, we love basketball. She loves basketball, and you can tell. Before I hit this break, somebody else that loved basketball. Uh, Somebody else that loved basketball a great deal. And somebody I had known since going back to the mid-90s in Bloomington playing at the YMCA with all the noon guys down there when I worked in Bloomington. Terry Stoltz was a friend of mine. Terry Stoltz would email consistently. He was in Bloomington, did great work on WGCL down there with Mike Glasscott and others and love basketball. I mean, love basketball. IU basketball, the Pacers, was a big fan of Mark Boyle. He was a terrific guy. I mean, a great guy. And Terry passed away yesterday. And I wanted to send my condolences and my thoughts to his family and all those at WGCL. To the folks that I have known, those that we played basketball with down there, it's great. This is one of the other reasons why I love playing pickup basketball because you make so many great connections and friendships out of it. It's not always wildness and cussing and yelling at each other back and forth. And Terry Stoltz was a great guy. And my condolences and thoughts going out to Terry's family and all that knew Terry as I knew Terry, just being a fantastic guy. R.I.P. Terry Stoltz. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. You're going to eat your fat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, a re-entry for somebody that's staked out in Canada right now. Isaiah McKenzie signed by the Colts today. We'll dive into that and 
why so many around here think that it is reasonable to bring in Lamar Jackson. I think I understand why, but it's not the smart move. We'll talk about that with Stephen Holder coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. The aforementioned personality staked out in Canada, the home of Nickelback, would be one. Jeremiah Johnson, Bally Sports, Indiana, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. JJ, hello. Hello, John. How are you? I don't think Nickelback's in concert tonight, or I'd have to check him out, right? I'll tell you what. I've never been to Toronto, but I've heard many a great thing about it. Many. Well, normally when we are here, and I obviously have not been here since the pandemic, it's very cold. And I would say today it's probably uh, in the 40s, maybe even the 50s. Sun sun is shining, and I also would say that it's... uh, it's a pretty cool city, so I'm glad to be back, and they let me in the country, so that's a good thing as well. How long has it been since you've been in Toronto? Well, I only know this because I looked it up a, a few weeks ago when I was frantically trying to figure out my passport situation. The last time that I used my passport was February of 2020, and uh, yeah, this is, this is the first return trip. And The Pacers only played the Raptors in Toronto one time this season. It just so happened to be in the final 10 games of the year. So just one trip to Toronto this season, but it has been since February of 2020 that I have been here. Now, is it a pain to get in and get out? I would say it's not too bad getting in, uh, just to kind of peel behind the curtain a little bit. We have a little bit of extra security to go through, and obviously you have to show your passports. It is the one city that the team goes through uh, the airport terminal because you have to go through the passport um windows in the actual airport so tomorrow night after the game flying to boston it'll be the one time the team has to actually go through the airport terminal instead of have their own little private area to to go through so it takes a little bit longer leaving the country than than coming in and we'll have to deal with that tomorrow night i would say if you play for the raptors it would probably be over the course of the season um some extra uh, an extra little bit of hassle you just have to deal with now, do you have to do you have to go through like security and go through uh, you know you have to take um, your belt off and take stuff out of your pockets and all that? Yep, just like everybody else in in Toronto, and it's a, it's a little bit different not to get too into the weeds here uh, when you're traveling in the country in the United States. Uh, we have a little bit of a different security measure. Right. But in, in Toronto, everyone has to go through that. That's correct. JJ's with us, Valley Sports, Indiana. Of course, that game coming up tomorrow night. Last night, last night was a bummer. And I know for a lot of people out there, JJ, and I know you hear from them as well, uh, they want to see the Pacers finish outside the play-in, and they want to see them get the best percentages at the highest draft selection possible. And I do understand that. But I'm sorry. I want them to win games they should be able to win. And last night was a complete bummer because they played so well in the first and got progressively worse second through the fourth. And that's not how I want them to be. Even if the better solution here is is the draft and the better percentage, I don't want to see them now or any time against a team like Charlotte look like they did for three quarters. I think I felt the exact same way as you uh, on that bus to the airport and then on the plane to Toronto. I was a little bit bummed. And this is a season about development, so you're trying to gain experience in certain situations. And if you have a 21-point lead, what you hope is that down the road you're not giving that up. And you you had some young players in – you know, really important roles in the game last night. And Andrew Nemhard as the starting point guard, uh, I think has looked a lot better during this last stint that Tyrese Halliburton was injured. But 
you do have to acknowledge that he's still a rookie and he's not going to be great every night. And maybe, you know, last night some of the youngsters struggled just a little bit. And I think what Rick Carlisle said in the postgame press conference is exactly what I was thinking, that it came so easily for this team in that first quarter when they built the lead up to 21 points. Sometimes that's the last thing you want because it can just cause you to relax a little bit. And then when the other team or the team that's behind gets a little momentum, sometimes it's hard to stop them. But I still thought the Hornets came back and the Pacers built the lead up to nine with about five minutes left and the starters were on the court. That should have been enough to close out that team because the Hornets, to me, felt like a team outside of maybe Gordon Hayward because I still think he makes the right play and is a a really important player for that franchise if they're to, to move forward. Um, they seem like a lot of guys that just want to make sure they get their 23 or 25 points and it did not seem like they were as concerned about actually winning the game. Then when you let them get, get back to within a possession, of course, I mean, obviously they were wanting to win the game, but um, they shouldn't have been able to play such good defense against the Pacers is what I would say. And that's what really was the Pacers' undoing um, as they kind of went cold late fourth quarter. It's uh, Jeremiah Johnson, Bally Sports, Indiana. Pacers got the matchup with the Raptors coming up tomorrow night. I'm, I'm curious, Tyrese Halliburton, I didn't hear last night any timetable, anything new here, and I want you to play off of that as well. I, listen, there have been Pacers in the past where if they're missing, this team is certainly not not as good, not nearly as good, but there is a pretty big difference between when he's in the game and when he's not in the game, maybe one of the more significant than we've seen around here in a while. Yeah, if you have a most valuable player, I know he will not get MVP votes in the NBA, but you probably need to consider how valuable he is to this team uh, because they can win a game or two. They've had some moments. You just looked in Milwaukee and you looked to Golden State games. They won without him. But consistency is really difficult, and I also think – clutch time performances have been you know, few and far between without Tyrese Halliburton. The Pacers since the All-Star break, they've won five of eight road games. The three they've lost are to the Pistons, the Hornets, and Spurs. And you can make a case that if Tyrese Halliburton played in all of those games, they're not losses. And then if you have those three additional wins, you're in a little bit of a different spot in the standings. So I don't have an official update for you. I think that'll come out in the next hour or so, but um, I see nothing to say that he, he wouldn't be questionable again as he was heading into the game um, last night. And, and we'll have to just see a little bit closer to tip-off. But the Pacers are a different team with a different outlook and a different level of expectation when he plays. And he had missed those games in Detroit with the knee uh, bruise or the knee soreness and then sprained his ankle in practice. And I think that really did sort of changed things over the last week. Even though the Pacers got that win in Milwaukee, it's just a little bit of a different situation with just 10 games to go, and, and now that he's missed the last five. You ever seen a dude like Benedict Matherin? Last night, his return, 18 points and three rebounds. But I bring this up with respect to his demeanor. And when Shane Steichen got hired around here, the common quote was, he's all ball. Benedict Matherin cares nothing about anything else other than playing basketball. There's no foolishness. There's no laughing. There's no really nothing. There's nobody that I've seen in a while, maybe since David West, that was more business on the court than Benedict Matherin. And I guess that's a bit surprising, given his youth, you know, his age, and still the freshness he is playing in the NBA. 
and I'll add on to that a little bit. I've not seen a rookie come into the NBA and have this attitude that he doesn't really care what anybody else thinks about him. He's not the guy that's trying to, outside of a couple of his former teammates at Arizona, you don't see a lot of hugging and high-fiving with the opposition after games. He's not trying to uh, win any personality He kind of gets up and leaves, doesn't he? That's about it. Yeah, he, he's out of there. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's kind of refreshing. It's, it's a little bit different, uh, I will admit. And I think there are sometimes there are some hard fouls um, that you think, oh, you know, maybe that's uh, a youngster going against a veteran. I don't think he meant any ill will towards Gordon Hayward, but I, it was a little bit of a scary foul yesterday towards the end of that game and then immediately he went to Gordon and, and apologized and wanted to make sure he was okay but it is a little bit indicative of that was an important foul to make to make sure he did not get the basket easily and so I agree with you he's, he's all about basketball he is not intimidated by anybody and it was pretty refreshing to see him come back after missing just four games with that injury when he was carried off the court against the Rockets it, the thought crossed my mind we might have seen the last of Benedict Mather in this season and he told me today after practice that he acknowledged this game against Toronto is a big deal to him he grew up a Raptors fan it's his first time playing in the NBA in Canada and so I think he he wanted to get back as soon as he could but I do think he rehabbed with a mindset that get back play that game in Charlotte and be able to be um, as good as he can be and play in Toronto so uh, I'm expecting him to build on what he did last night and really show out against the Raptors this is a big deal to him did he at all wear ankle braces before he ended up rolling that ankle a couple weeks back? You know, the ankle braces, I feel like that's a little bit of a, something from our era because I wore the ankle braces all yeah. the time, and then whenever I didn't wear them, that's when I would sprain my ankle. I don't know the taping um, strategies or the taping process for them. I think most players probably tape their ankles, but the actual ankle braces – you don't see as much from precautionary measures as as you did back in the '90s. It just it seems like because he is such a driving step through guy, and I'm I'm concerned that because that is his style of play, which is very successful, very positive, but that's probably not going to be the first time when he steps sideways on somebody's foot driving to the hole. I agree with that. And I, found my, I found myself watching practice today, just watching people's feet, because it is amazing that that does not happen more exactly. frequently. As big as their feet are, as much movement's going around the paint. And once you do that, I, you know, I'll go back to Gordon Hayward. You know, when you have what happened to him um, in that game against the Cavs, his first, or first game with the Celtics, I would think every time you go in or you come down, you think about it a little bit. So you hope that Benedict Matherin um, doesn't have to deal with that and doesn't have a recurring ankle injury. But I don't know all the background on the precautionary measures that will have moving forward. But at least for right now, I'm, I'm guessing he's got a pretty good tape job on that ankle for the rest of the season. Did you get a chance to talk to Gordon Hayward last night? Uh, just a little bit pleasantries before and after the game, and I did get the chance to talk to his parents, who happened to be there in Charlotte for you know three or four minutes after the game, because they were uh, in the tunnel as the postgame show was ending, and they were talking a little bit with Ronald Nord. And I did tell them it just it feels like old times being in March in a basketball uh, <laughs> arena, and Ronald Nord's there, and Gordon yeah. Hayward's there, and and Gordon's parents are there. Because and and you were there too. Time. You were there. I was there yeah. every single Butler NCAA tournament game in 2010 and 2011, and actually reminded them 
them of that. And actually, Gordon's mom did say to me, she was at least she enjoyed watching the coverage last weekend. She said nobody showed or brought up that last shot against Duke. <laughs> I think they're probably tired of that. But I, I said, you know, there are a lot better memories than that. And I think the story is such that it's everlasting. I mean, it'll be it'll be a, the story and some of those highlights and some of those images they'll be replaying this time of year for twenty years down the road. Well, that's the most exciting miss in the history of misses, isn't it? In terms of basketball. And I hate to put yeah, it that it's, way it's because we all sound real weak, is, but yeah. Sure. If that goes down, I mean, where would you put that up there? It, it, it's Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's not, not a yeah. shot that you're expecting to go in. It's, it's better than my it's so better close. than Jenkins. Like Jenkins had, you know, the three Villanova won, right? Last time they were in Houston, I believe, for the final four when they won it all with that Jenkins three pointer against Carolina. It it would have been five times that. But think about the IU fan. I mean, where would what would they be thinking if Keith Smart's shot had not gone yeah. down? But those were those were regular shots. I mean, to have right. Gordon Hayward right. potentially be able to get that rebound and have the screen set for Matt Howard, and if that would have gone in to cap off that story, it's something you could not have written. And and the fact that it just bounced off, I'm sure there's a little bit of pain. And really, I've heard Gordon do some interviews about this sense that it's probably the possession before that he missed, I think, a baseline jumper that, that really causes the pain because that's the shot that you, that you practice. You don't really uh, plan on those half-court heaps. So uh, it's still a little bit of a what-if, but it's still one of the most amazing stories. And I've told Matt Howard this um, a couple of times at some golf outings that I still am endorsing a 30-for-30 30 30 on those two runs. And if ESPN or whoever wants to put the documentary or the movie together, we've got some pretty – we got some pretty good behind-the-scenes interviews and footage that we can be willing to share, assuming the hard drives still work. So Jeremiah Johnson with us. The reason why I brought up Gordon is and I know he's made a lot of money and he loves basketball and all that. But to me, it doesn't look like he's had much fun whatsoever playing basketball since he left Salt Lake City. It, yeah, it, it's easy to say that from afar. And, and Kristen Aaron and I were talking a little bit about that after the game. Obviously, he's he has a great contract, and you have to be appreciative of the Hornets if you're the, the Hayward family for the amount of money that he's been able to get to play the game of basketball. But in terms of team success and also still kind of battling through some, from, some nagging injuries, it's probably been frustrating. I still think whenever this contract ends, I think he has one year left on the current deal that he has, that he still has – some life in his NBA career, and you would hope he would be in a situation where he does enjoy it a little more and maybe get a chance to have sustained health and success. And, and who knows where that might be. I think really anything is possible. And I did note that he spent a lot of time you know, chatting it up with George Hill before the game, a couple of, couple of Indiana products and a couple of guys that did enjoy their time together in Utah. So we'll see what happens. But whatever does happen, he's had an amazing NBA career, and you have to be happy for him when you think about where he came from, and maybe how unheralded he was as a basketball recruit as a, as a high school player, at least early in his high school days. Yeah, all you ever heard about was his tennis game. That was it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it, but I, you know, yeah, that was his tennis game they talked about a great deal. He lives in San Diego now? Uh, somewhere in Southern California. He did have a place there. I don't, I'm not 100% if that's still where he calls home or not, to be perfectly honest with hmm. you. Well, anyway, I was thinking about that last night. It just he, – he felt like he was, like, perfect at that time for the Jazz. And it just – even going, you know, back with, with Brad Stevens and, you know, being in Boston, it never quite felt right, and it really hasn't felt right for him since. If he 
had not gotten hurt early in that time with Boston, right. I think everything could have changed. Could have been right. Yeah. Maybe things with, with Kyrie in that situation would have been a little bit better. So it, that's another great what-if question, and it's unfortunate that the injury happened, and then as you said. But he still, after the, the Boston situation, was able to get a contract that is uh, life-changing for him and his kids and is probably his kids' kids. <laughs> no doubt about that. J.J., tomorrow night you got Toronto, you got the Pacers. A couple of thoughts regarding that thing and what you're going over, and I'll let you bail. Yeah, just, you know, I will look at the standings. There are just 10 games remaining, and so it does feel like it's the Pacers' last chance to be in this mix because if you would win this game, you win, you know, you gain a game on gain a game on a team in front of you, and you do have the tiebreaker. So, there still is an opportunity. The loss to the Hornets really does hurt your chances, I think, and Chicago seems to be playing well. The thing that they need to do if they're going to try to win that game or if they're going to be successful is take better care of the basketball. We saw against the Sixers 17 turnovers, which prior to last night was the most since the All-Star break, and then they were in the 20s, and the points off of turnovers were just a number that you don't often win when that happens. And you take on Toronto. One thing we know is their active hands, their length, they're going to try to get deflections. They're trying to force turnovers. And so the Tyrese Halliburton situation, whether he's able to play or not, would seem to be really important. But even if he doesn't, everyone else has to make a concerted effort to take better care of the basketball because if not, that's where the Raptors will get you. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, looking forward to just the atmosphere. It's always one of the more intense venues the Pacers have struggled in this building over the years but they've also in the last couple of weeks they've bounced back from tough losses so we'll see what they've got in store for tomorrow night I don't think anyone expected last Thursday a win in Milwaukee and so maybe they can do that again I have a friend of the show that brings a case for me maybe once or maybe twice maybe once every couple of years or so um, from Ireland and they are peanut butter chocolate Kit Kat which I believe they also have in Toronto, in Canada, which I don't phenomenal. think they sell here. Yes, it is. And there's a reason why I don't mind when that guy brings it from Ireland, because I, I I, was introduced to them, because they didn't have them here, introduced to them when I was in London with the Colts, and I thought, holy crap, these are awesome. And he would bring them over in a case. Check them out. Go to a convenience store, because you got the night to do so, and see if you can find one, man. Crank one back I home for me. That. And right, that, there's, a good, there's a store that I think if they are in Toronto, they will be there, and it's near our hotel. The other thing that I always think is uh, unique, of right, right down the street from where we stay, there's a dry cleaner slash sushi spot, all in one. So oh, really? You wanna get your dry cleaning done and have some sushi as well. You don't see that every day as well. <laughs> are you a sushi eater? I do like sushi. I mean, it's not something that I do all the time, but I definitely am not afraid of it. And... Uh, I just haven't gotten it at the dry cleaning sushi spot. See, I'll probably try to find one that just specializes in the sushi and, and, and worries about the dry cleaning somewhere else. I've had it once, and I got it from a gas station. Yeah, that, that's not the suggestion. Yeah, uh, I, go, but go somewhere I, where you've got a you know that's that's their bread and butter. I should have it more because I eat the hell out of tuna. I'll eat it from the package. I'll eat it from the can. I'm a big tuna guy, so hey, I would don't do it. Scared. Of it. My, my, my mom, actually, she's scared of sushi. I don't understand why. It's just rice and, you know, some fish inside. Yeah. You don't have to get the most exotic, extreme sushi. Now, that I can understand if the raw fish scares you a little bit. But there are a lot of options and a lot of roles that 
I particularly yes. enjoy. And I, you know, you're making me hungry. I hadn't decided what I was going to do for dinner. I may have some sushi tonight. All right, I and will also, be looking for those please. peanut butter Kit Kats for sure. Throw a couple of those in your overnight bag, if you will. Bring one back for your good friend sure. here. I'll send it to you, and I'll, I just got to make sure the value of those doesn't exceed the amount I'm able to leave the country with. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. We'll be watching coming up tomorrow night, JJ. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, John. It's uh, Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports Indiana, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. James, you like sushi? I do, actually. Yeah, I would do it. I just I don't think about doing it. I'd like get it at Kroger. I see those guys back there making mm-hmm. it. That looks all right to me. It's all right. I would I would recommend if you're going to try it for the first time, go to an actual sushi sushi restaurant oh, yeah. somewhere near the water where it's going to be fresh. It's it's amazing. See, it's I'm really a big good. seafood person. Uh, I just had some the other night. Actually, I had some the other night. I got to give a shout out to the lovely Sarah and Romy. They send food to the Jamvi Takeover to me every Saturday night. And this has been a couple of times. They sent slapfish. Have you been to slapfish? I have not, no. Slapfish, and it was some kind of seafood sandwich, which was absolutely outstanding. Incredible. So I would recommend Slapfish anytime. But, yeah, I mean, I, I dig tuna. Tuna from the can, from the pouch. That sounds weird when I say tuna from the pouch. Tuna from the pouch, hickory smoked, garlic, a little buffalo in there, too, if I'm at home. Tuna guy. Tuna with cheese and crackers, anybody? Does that make anybody sick, or does that sound good? Tuna with cheddar cheese and crackers? That sounds no? gross. It's almost like a dip. No? All right, loungers. Give me some time. Give me some sort of poll going on in there, because I know you guys will treat this very delicately. Tuna with cheese and crackers, yes or no? Man, when I went to college, that's what that was like every day for lunch. Star kiss right out of the can. I was like a cat. Quick break. We'll come back. Top of the hour. Stephen Holder's going to join us. We'll see what category he falls into. As far as Lamar Jackson, I do want to get your thoughts coming up on the other side of that, too, if you want it. 239-1070. I say absolutely not. You're here. Draft somebody and roll with it. And I gave you a variety of reasons as to why I would be against it. I do understand the one big reason why a lot of you are for it. I'll explain that coming up on the other side. Your calls and more next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. No, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. <laughs> you just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just no, then. No, no, no. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. At the uh, great tuna or no tuna argument inside the lounge via YouTube Live. That should be a fantastic conversation. Pat Kendall says something I've done, and I thought I was the only one that did this. 
tuna in mac and cheese, poor man's tuna casserole. I did that not only all the time, Pat Kendall, I did that like two weeks ago. <laughs> Seriously, two weeks ago. There was some leftover mac and cheese from the kids, and I said, hey, man, here's some Star Kiss plop. Two weeks ago, I did that. Craft mac and cheese and tuna. Thank you very much. I'm kind of curious. So Tobin Anderson, the now former head coach of Fairleigh Dickinson, basically got a new gig here at Iona by virtue of beating Purdue last week. Knocked off the one seed, gets a job upgrade from FDU to Iona. A year ago, Shaheen Holloway was the head coach at St. Peter's. They knocked off Purdue. He got a gig at Seton Hall. Who was the coach going back three years at North Texas? Because this is a run. I don't know if Purdue wants to be a part of this run right here. This is also part of losing to double-digit seeded teams. Who was it? Uh, Grant McCasland is his name. It's the, it's the uh, current right, So he's still there. Yeah, he's still there. He's still there. He may get the gig now. I just saw that at Texas Tech. So that breaks the string. That breaks the string. And from what it says now, he's in line or a front runner to get the job, the open vacancy now at Texas Tech. So it's two years running for the Boilermakers to lose to a team and then that team's head coach get an upgrading gig. That is amazing. And for Tobin Anderson, you know, I saw our friend Brad Howell from Southport High School. He does a great job. He's got his own place called Milestone. Um, yeah, you got, you know, it's one of the, uh, you know, kind of a rehab facility for you if you go through a surgery get an injury something like that nobody's better at doing that than brad howe that's down on 135 in greenwood too next to the older kroger but i saw brad howe tweet about this maybe it was facebook how he went to a camp when he was in high school because he was a very good player at southport high school and he went to a camp i think it was a d1 camp something like that and tobin anderson was his coach so this guy has been grinding for years And then because of that win on Friday, which was a big deal, gets an upgrade and a gig to Iona. And Shaheen Holloway, a year ago, an upgrade and a gig from St. Peter's to Seton Hall. It's amazing what can happen. Chris Phillips writes this, JMV, if you decide to change your show's name, you could go with The Ride with Big Tuna. I could go with, if it smells bad, he might eat it with JMV or something like that, although people would twist that up and get me in trouble. I better not. Big tuna guy, though. Come on. It's from Brian. When the coaches get an upgrade after beating Purdue, is that the equivalent of the fans storming the court after beating Purdue? (laughs) I don't know. It's just now two years running. I was just going to make sure, make sure that didn't happen with North Texas going back. But there's a bit of a run going on there. Uh, JMV, did I miss the segment about the Miami Twins? Uh, You did not. I haven't done a segment on the Miami Twins. I did, however, I wanted to give a shout out to Grace Berger, 
who saw her collegiate career end last night in the upset at home, Miami over IU. And Grace Berger has been phenomenal. Has meant so much to that team, to that program. The winning of that team and that program. I mean, a foundational piece she's been. And she's been on the show before. An absolute joy. And I've said this, too, because I notice it because I am. She is a lover of basketball. Lover of basketball. And I think that's something certainly I can and a lot of us can certainly embrace. And it was sad to see that run and that season end where it did in Bloomington last night. Really was. But a shout-out to Grace Berger. I think most of the core of that group is actually coming back. I think I think Mackenzie Holmes is coming back. And Sydney Parrish is back. You know, a lot of people back. Hey, JMV, I saw this van truck <laughs> combination in Lawrence. It looks like something from Greene County. <laughs> Did you say, I don't even know if I could say that without getting in trouble here. V-U-C-K? My pronunciation may go haywire and get me in trouble. I don't want that to happen. See, mac and cheese and hot dogs sound gross to me mixed up. Mac and cheese and tuna, that's where it's at. All right, I mentioned to Lamar Jackson. Why does that make so much sense to Colts fans? Because you want success right now. I want them to overachieve, but I want them to draft a quarterback. I certainly don't want them to bring in a quarterback, give up assets for a quarterback, highly pay a quarterback to come in that may end up having some of the issues that we have seen cross our desk as either covering or fans of the Colts the past three or plus years or going even back to the Andrew Luck era. If this was fresh and everything was okay for the longer term, I would say, yeah. But with the past experiences, especially the short-term past, I don't know how you'd want to go that direction. Stephen Holder shall explain coming up at the top of the hour. Jonathan's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Good afternoon. Um, I'm kind of torn about the Lamar Jackson thing because yes. uh, I don't I don't think you sounded uh, hypocritical. I think it would be hypocritical of them to keep – repeating the same pattern um plus if you're baltimore am i missing something don't you have to get him out of the afc if you're going to trade him and you don't want him to become a threat to you yeah and you know what that may this all may be unreasonable but in terms of sports talk radio since it's brought up i'm trying to just create a hypothetical like i I sit here and believe that there's no chance but people continue to bring up the fact that they believe that there's a chance and you know that's why we end up talking about it I think it's because Steichen is so versatile, and that's kind of a no compliment question. to him. Yeah. And he could probably he probably sees a guy. I don't want to speak for him, obviously, but he could turn him into Jalen Hurts. Uh, but to me, if if uh, we already know that Lamar Jackson is not as good as Patrick Mahomes, and we don't know if one of the rookies is or not, then it actually makes more sense and it's more optimistic to go with a rookie and let them develop, especially Richardson. But I know you think that we're um, all about Levis or yeah, yeah well and that's my and that's like I I have been all in from the gate on Stroud and that's clearly not going to happen now but 
Um, I, I just, and this is me, this is both educated and a bit of an educated guess here, too. And I've said for a long time that they have had interest in Levis, especially when they saw that season a year ago going haywire and understanding they were going to go down this path. So it's, mm-hmm. I'd heard that a number of times that they had interest in Levis going back to the fall. So, mm-hmm. And they haven't adjusted their offensive line, and I don't think Michael Vick could have survived behind the line last year. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, are they going to make big changes? I thought Ryan Kelly would have been traded by now, but it's not like I dislike the guy. Maybe he just had a bad year. Or, I mean, you, you just kind of think about it in terms of, you know, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to start new there? Do you want to, you know, what are you going to get in return? You just don't get enough sometimes to mess with it, I would guess, is where I start yeah. with that, too. So, what else you got, Jonathan? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I was just expecting uh, Penner to become the confirmed center and Ryan Kelly would be cut sure. like, like Matt Ryan rather than traded, which would end up. Um, you know what the strangest thing about the offense to me is the overpaid Mo Alley Cox. And I know what he's great for, but if they need to make room for a Jack Doyle type tight end, how are they supposed to do that if they've got him? You know, like for twenty some million dollars. Yeah, I just, and I thought maybe yes. he would be moved. Well, and Mo Ali Cox has got to be a complimentary piece, and that is not. I mean, he's he's called upon now, and he just can't deliver what is necessary from that position. So, you know, when you look at uh, Jelani Woods, that's the expectation going into his second year, him being the guy. Okay. But yeah, Mo Ali Cox as a compliment. On a good team, you would probably take as somebody that you're seemingly counting on to produce week in and week out. I think we know the answer to that. Oh, yeah. Woods being the vertical threat, I just didn't think that we had anybody to block out wide. No, yeah. And you're right. They they don't. They don't. Yes. Correct. So can any offense work without that? Um, um, I'm surprised they haven't addressed that yet. But, you know, given how Ballard works, I, I guess I shouldn't be, right? Because now right. is when he really starts to get involved. So I would right. I would expect right. them to address it in, in some form or fashion. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Jonathan, you call anytime. <laughs> thank you. By the way, Isaiah McKenzie reportedly signed the wide receiver out of Buffalo earlier today by the Colts. So that will make it Ashton Doolin earlier in the, the opening of free agency brought back. Alec Pierce going into year two. Michael Pittman Jr., Mike Strawn. Malik Turner's also there. Christian Wilkerson may be in the mix somewhere. Vincent Smith, another one. Uh, These are guys that are certainly much lesser known. But Pittman Jr., Pierce, Doolin, McKenzie, Strawn is what you're looking at right now, and maybe another addition still to come. I'm not going to downplay McKenzie because they just need another weapon, and he certainly has been somebody that has been utilized in the past in Buffalo. There's no oh-wow factor about it. It is, got to get somebody in here. And that was addressed earlier today. Manning's up next to 239-1070. Hello, Manny. Hey, JMV. How you doing, my friend? Manny, I will call you later on this week because I talked I talked to Dion on Friday, and we all should be good to go. I just, I've got a bit of a wrinkle here, and we got to figure this out for Friday because I know that's new addition. That's Keith Sweat, and that's Guy at Cambridge Fieldhouse. But I have a remote show at Harris Hoosier Park in Anderson. They, they want to put me as far away from where I got to be later on that night as possible. So I've got to do a road <laughs> show in Anderson and then come back. 
But I will let you know. Hopefully, I get to chat with Dion coming up tomorrow. We'll see how that works. But me and you and Wells, correct? Hey, man, I'm looking forward to it, man. And if you talk to Wells before I see him, tell him I'm a good guy, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a driver. I take care of our community. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a good guy. We would not ask you to come. We understand you're a good guy, certainly. You put off those good guy vibes, man. I appreciate it. Hey, speaking of a good guy, man, I'm sorry to hear about your friend, man. He sounded like yeah, a good guy. he was. Condolences to, to your friend and his family, Thank man. Thank you, Manny. That's very nice. I'll get a hold of you later on this week, too, Manny. Thank you. All right. Thank you, man. Have and a good show. Manny's going with us to see New Edition. Yeah, he brought up, and I mentioned this at the end of the 3 o'clock hour, um, a friend of mine that I have known since the mid-'90s passed away in Monroe County, in Bloomington last night. Actually, the night before last, I should say. And I, I, yeah, I love basketball. Loved IU basketball. And we stayed in communication via email. He emailed all the time. I think he also he worked at WGCL in Bloomington. Uh, and also, I think, had a gig at Black Lumber in Bloomington. But he was all about hoops from the high school level to IU to the Pacers. He listened to this show. He loved listening to Mark Boyle on the Pacer broadcast. Terry Stoltz was an awesome guy. And Mike Glasscott, who has a show on WGCL that's actually going on right now down in Bloomington, uh, has known him for a long time as well. I think they also work together at WGCL. WGCL is an AM station down in Bloomington. But I was so incredibly sad to hear the passing of Terry Stoltz. And a lot of people in and around Monroe County and Bloomington would know him because you probably at some time played basketball with him. He played all the time. I met him at noon basketball when they played noon pickup down at the Y in Bloomington on the south side. This goes back to probably 1995, maybe even 94. But I would play in the morning at Eastern, and then I would play again at noon in Bloomington, and then obviously work at night when I worked at B97 in Bloomington. And I knew Terry very well. And Terry was just a tremendous guy. And he passed away night before last. And I want to send my condolences and thoughts out to his family and, and all his friends down there, Mike and... And everybody at WGCL, everybody in the Bloomington community that knew Terry, and they would all agree just how great of a dude that he is. No question about that. R.I.P. to Terry. Dave before the break at 239-1070. Hello, Dave. How are you? Pretty good. How you doing? Great, Dave. Go ahead. I have an idea. Why don't some of these NIL players who are making these hundreds of thousands of dollars have to pay their own way, take them off the scholarship. Yeah, I, I listen, I've thought about this because there aren't very many guardrails with this in mind, Dave. I always thought about when you have somebody that's getting paid a lot, you know, and, and you just take that away, can you just go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to send you down the road? I'm assuming you can now. I mean, I don't have any direct yeah. examples of that, right? But there have to be many examples of guys – that, you know, according to, I guess, you know, what you pay and then the return on that particular NIL investment that you're getting, if you don't get it, I mean, I, I mean, I, it's basically guaranteed money and they have it, but do you do that for the future? I guess you sign a contract and you get it. 
Um, I, I don't know how. I don't know how you can deal with that. It's just there's so many things, Dave, that they have to figure out with this. And unfortunately, that and then you look at the transfer portal. And we were talking yesterday with Michael Lewis, the head coach of Ball State. He was looking at film in the transfer portal. As of yesterday, there were 600-plus already in that transfer portal. 600-plus. And that's just – this This is a massive turnoff to a lot of basketball fans. And I mentioned this in terms of me. It's basketball, and I'm yeah, going to watch it, right? I'm going to watch it, Dave. I'm assuming you're a big basketball oh, yeah. fan. You're going to watch it. But this all is such a tremendous – turn off to a lot of us and i think young and old i don't think it's necessarily us old farts i think it's the young folks as well that sometimes they get turned off and then also you see in terms of jay wright who uh, obviously can still coach he's very good on tv and other coaches probably are going to wonder why they're even messing with this as we get further down the road because it is a tremendous hassle and it is a turn off to a lot of people if they don't get it under control, it's going to be a really big mess. That's yeah. for sure. Dave, I don't know. Thank you for the call, buddy. I don't know how they're going to do it either. I mean, it's all kind of intertwined together, too. I mean, I, I understand that there has to be a level of fairness. I do get that. I just can't imagine in any way. Two things. I can't imagine that this is what they thought they were going to get when that was cleared. And the other thing I can't imagine is how they will have eternal resources to continue this. I mean, I know that there's a lot of money floating around and big-time donors and big-time business, but at some point, does that well run dry? If you don't handle it or do something different. Quick break and we'll come back. Caleb's on hold. Top of the hour. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. We're going to talk about Lamar Jackson. We're going to talk about Will Levis. We're going to talk about Isaiah McKenzie and more with Stephen Holder. Top of the hour. 93.5107. Five the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love. Hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Two more minutes. They could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. A real sweat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm trying to get you guys into feel good today. Can you tell? A little Stevie Wonder for everybody. Crank it. A little feel good. Five o'clock we go earlier. Greg Rakestraw. Jeremiah Johnson was in Canada. He's going to bring us back some sushi rolls and peanut butter chocolate Kit Kats. That's awesome. James over there. I'm John Trackside, 7 o'clock later on tonight. Later on Friday, I haven't seen this across my desk yet, but rumor has it I'm going to be at Hoosier Park in Anderson. So here is Hoosier Park in Anderson on Friday. Remember, we're heading down to see New Edition, Guy, and Keith Sweat with special guest Manny and Mike Wells coming up on Friday. 
Been waiting for this for a while. So a big day on Friday. Hopefully I'll see you on the road up in Anderson at Harrah's Hoosier Park on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com. It is Stephen Holder. So help me make sense of, and I think I know a little bit, uh, why people uh, so want around here Lamar Jackson. It's because they are starved from winning and they think that that is going to be instant access to it. However, we've seen this not happen over the past history of this team and you know yet you get another guy that's all dinged up and you give away assets to me you're in a spot to draft so go ahead and draft even if it's somebody that i don't personally agree with like will levis for example just make the draft pick and make it a quarterback in that top four that's all you have to do to me so I can see both sides of it, okay? Well, actually, before we go on, you know, I always got a comment on the intro music. Okay. So, <laughs> so Stevie Wonder, I, my 13-year-old daughter, I played some Stevie Wonder recently, and I asked her, do you know who this is? She did not know. And I had to really take a long look in the mirror. That was on me. Let me tell you this. I have a mini mix that will occasionally play on the Jam V Takeover on Saturday nights. DJ Skids put together two songs in a mini mix. One is Stevie Wonder's uh, Superstitious. Mm, And it goes from Superstitious to the Ghetto Boys, Minds Playing Tricks on Me. And it's great. Great. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Now, we had to do some funky editing. But it sounds great. <laughs> it does. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm very yes, intrigued. You got to hear it sometime. It is. Yeah. Of, of the many that he has done, it is outstandingly one of the best. All right, cool. Well, uh, I will look out for that. So now back to your question. All right. So what everything you laid out is, is totally fair. And I probably side more with, with what you laid out. Uh, this is an opportunity they haven't had for a while to take this this top draft pick or early draft pick and, and go that route. I totally get that. And I I could make that argument a very persuasive one. On the other hand, I do want to make a distinction. I do think that the idea, the notion of pursuing Lamar Jackson is very, very different than pursuing Philip rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. I I think this is a totally different uh, premise, frankly. Now, I understand the trepidation, (laughs) okay? I get it. They gave up a first and a third for Carson Wentz, and he was gone a year later. Like, I get it, right? The only thing I'd say is that none of those guys had recent performances anything near to what Lamar Jackson is capable of right now and is still theoretically capable of for many years to come, being 26 years old. Now, I can make a lot of counterarguments, right? The the cost, uh, the draft picks, the – the injury history of, of late with him, I can make a lot of counter arguments, but um, I would also say when you juxtapose that versus this sort of roll of the dice with a draft pick, because it always is, right? You know how these guys can be. It's a 50-50 shot at best. There's a little more certainty with Lamar Jackson, even though the cost is, is, is a lot higher. And it makes this team relevant, which they have not been for a very, very, very long time. So – but here's what I think about this, and I, I haven't, like, asked, but I would think on this that Chris Ballard would be definitely against and Jim Ursay would be pushing forward if he thought remotely there was a possibility. Is that that dynamic that might be working right now? Well, I, I, wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say it's been – well, actually, I can say this. This is what I can say. It has not been ruled out 
That I know. But that is not the same thing as saying they are actively pursuing Lamar Jackson. I think they're weighing their options. They got time, right? They've got, oh, you know, about five weeks till the draft. Because I think this is when you have to make this decision. You, you don't go past the draft and then decide willy-nilly, oh, yeah, hey, you know what, what's up with Lamar Jackson? No, you're going to deal with this now, I think. You know, because you need some certainty about quarterback before the draft. So, that being said, I mean, they have, they have five weeks, and they understand that, or, you know, four, four and a half, five weeks, they understand that. So, I don't think there's any need to necessarily go bang his door down right now, but it costs you nothing to pick up the phone and to see what would it take. Right. At least at least know you at least need to know is what I think. And so it's unclear whether they've done that, but I would be very, I don't know, not surprised, but I'd probably be a little disappointed if they didn't at least find out. Because here's the thing. Lamar Jackson is probably not getting a, a guaranteed contract, a fully guaranteed contract. Right. I just don't see a scenario where that happens. And so maybe there comes a time when he realizes that. And he says to himself, okay, well, what would I settle for? And that's what I would want to know if I'm the Colts. What would he settle for? Look, I get it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of arguments I can make against this. I've already made some of them. They are a small market team. Look, uh, I don't know Jim Mercer's checkbook and what it looks like, but it's not the same as, say, Stan Kroenke, right, the Los Angeles Rams owner who has very, very deep pockets, you know, I understand there are some real there's some realities here. But all I'm saying is uh, I, I do think it's worth investigating. And and I think they have at least kept it on, not on the table, but like in a corner of the table somewhere. <laughs> Put it that way. I have said this and Stephen Holder joins us from ESPN.com. I would rather have them go all in to do what Carolina did mm. to get C.J. Stroud than I would mess around and try to get Lamar Jackson. Well, that's, that's a perfectly reasonable argument. I mean, now to do that, you have to be like fully convicted, right? That, sure. Sure. that a guy like CJ Stroud or the, even if it's Bryce Young, whoever, right? you have to be like a hundred percent convicted that this is the guy and he is our future. He's going to show us the way I don't get the feeling you know, now I'm not saying this has been articulated in these words, but it sure looks to me like the Colts don't have that level of conviction about anybody in this draft. I mean, they didn't make, from, any, from all indications, they did not make a truly concerted effort to trade up. Even knowing the stakes, right? And, and Ballard talking about, you know, what it's going to look like if they don't move up and all that. Like, he, he understood the optics of this. And even despite all that, and despite his owner being like, come on, dude, give me a quarterback. <laughs> he was like, nah, we're good. We're going to stay put. And I'm just saying that coupled with other things that I've seen and heard to me, the takeaway for me is that they are not necessarily um, agnostic about these quarterbacks, but, but they're just not necessarily over the top in love with them. And that's okay. Right. I mean, just because there are, decent quarterbacks available doesn't mean there are going to be some generational talents either. Right. So I, I, but again, but your point is fair as long as I'm talking going in, all, going all in to make the trade up in the draft, that point is fair. So long as you are fully convicted and you can sleep at night knowing that your evaluation was, was really good on that guy. So 
Stephen Holder from ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. If clearly they didn't have the conviction that you're talking about to move up to to get right. one certain player, should that disappoint Colts fans? Because when you do, and again, I'm an advocate of them drafting somebody, and I believe it's going to be Will Levis, but. Should Colts fans be disappointed because they're settling and, in fact, settling for somebody that maybe they don't completely agree that is going to transition into something that they presently need and need in a bad way? Right. I think that's a fair concern. It's a fair concern. I mean, can we say that for sure? No. But I I do think that it it tells you something uh, that, that this team – that is in, I think there were two teams in this draft that were under the most pressure when it comes to quarterbacks. I think it's the Colts and I think it's the Panthers. The Panthers <laughs> reacted to that in a very bold manner. The, the Colts so far have not done anything. Not, not that I'm saying they're wrong. I'm just saying those are the two teams that are, that are under the most, I think, the most pressure to, to figure something out at quarterbacks because their, their problems have lingered for multiple, multiple years, both of those teams. And the, the Panthers did something about it. The Colts are waiting for it to come to them. And I, that has worked out for teams, right? I mean, it's not like Patrick Mahomes was the first overall pick. But at the same time, the counter argument with Patrick Mahomes is people forget. Kansas City made a hell of a trade. And they went up to number 10 and got him. They were not going to get him staying put. And that is because they had a lot of conviction about him. So – I can't sit here and tell you that I feel that the Colts have any any level of conviction like that about any quarterback in this particular draft. Yeah, not even trading down, right? Maybe yeah, trading I, down. I, I it's weird because Mel Kuyper's thing had him going up to three. And yeah. I, I, I more see them staying at four because I think they're going to be able to get what they want at four. I think they probably can. Uh, obviously – you, you lose a little bit of control of the situation, right? If you if you stay at four, someone could jump you. Uh, look, I mean, if and they've already the clock, done that. They've already lost a little bit of control here, right? So, oh, mean, they've I lost mean, a lot. Of yeah, I mean, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, they've lost most of the control. Okay, let's be clear. Uh, there there are four quarterbacks we think in this top tier, and a minimum of two of them are going to be gone, unless there's something we're missing, right? Unless there's something that that we can't even imagine that someone's planning to do. And I, and I don't know who that would even be. Right. So, yeah. So two of the top tier quarterbacks of the four are likely to be gone. Possibly three, depending on what happens at number three, pick number three, right. Does someone move ahead of them? So if you're going to cede that much control of the situation, that tells me <laughs> it don't bother you, man. You know what I mean? You're not bothered by that. So I don't know what you take from that, but that's what it says to me. Yeah, it's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I will say this, because uh, they had to address it, there's no doubt, and I still think they need to address it even more. But Isaiah McKenzie, I'll take it. You know, in a world in which yeah. you kind of grasp for anything you can get when Ballard's searching for, you know, like Kroger, like I do, for the wow stickers on this <laughs> to be uh, much, much, much different than retail price, I'll take it. Yeah, I agree with you. But here's my problem with free agency so far. Uh, they are basically, they're just, they're, they're standing in place. And what I mean by that is, hear me out. So, uh, Bucum 
I think that's how you pronounce his name, Sansom Abukum from the 49ers. He comes in at defensive end. He's basically taking the place of Yannick Ngakwe. Okay, fine. Uh, if you want to say that's a wash, ah, we'll see. But let's say it's a wash, like best case scenario, right? Fine. In this particular case, Isaiah McKenzie, what's happening there? He's a slot receiver. He's taking the place of Paris Campbell. Basically, they, they haven't taken any steps forward. You know, I mean, I think the, the kicker does move the ball. I, I agree with that. And I don't mean no pun intended there. Uh, the kicker is progress because that was an area they had to, to kind of get some certainty on. But I thought they were, they were doing fine there once they moved on from Hot Rod last year, right? I mean, I thought that, that position at least got settled. So you could even argue, even though Matt Gay is clearly, uh, you know, an elite kicker and it's an upgrade, but like that wasn't a, like a foremost problem that you could have brought back last year's kicker and you could have been fine, uh, but fine, whatever you upgraded a, a bit there, but I just don't think there's any way in which this team's better. They're, they're just not better in any measurable way uh, based on their move so far in free agency. Now it's not over and Ballard is, or he, he has a history of striking late in free agency. So I'm waiting to see. I mean, I don't think the, the story has been written. The chapter's not over. But so far, they are not a very much improved team. Well, I said this all along, that he's going to be himself. A lot of people yeah. felt he was going to change. First six years, you, you know, you get the lack of results there, and you're going to have to, you know, adjust. Maybe not change, but adjust in this case. And I've said all along that he's going to be him. He's going to be him. He's going to do what he feels uh, is uh, according to his values and building a team. And come hell or high water, that's what's going to happen. And I think we're seeing some of that at the early stages going into year number seven or year number one of the reboot, if you will, right now. Right, and and I agree with everything you said there. And it also here's here's another byproduct of of what we're what we're seeing here. Here's here's another takeaway, I guess. Put it that way. What it says to you, even further, is that Jim Mersey has has ceded control to Chris Ballard. Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> there's no question about it. This is not a guy who's acting out of fear of his job or. Um, who is under the owner's thumb, none of that, okay? This is Chris Ballard doing what Chris Ballard does, and whatever plan they have envisioned, he has sold Jim Mersey on that vision, and he's moving forward accordingly. Right or wrong, disagree, agree, that's irrelevant. I'm just telling you, as a listener out there, right? I mean, this is one of the things to take away here. And and, and I will say, I'm not surprised by that. I think the, the, the coaching hire told me that. That was a Chris Ballard hire. I don't think that necessarily uh, got Jim Mersey going, hiring Shane Steichen, even though I think it's a good hire. I'm just saying it's not a sexy hire, right? And then, and then the way they have approached free agency, clearly not sexy at all there, right? So this is Chris Ballard doing what Chris Ballard does and tells me that Chris Ballard has latitude. He does. Got three more years at least, too. I know you got to run here. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. I don't think we've brought this up before, but I'll leave you with this. You ever think about, and I know that this is just, you know, something you bring up to bring up, but had they closed out Minnesota, closed out Dallas, you know, won against Washington, Jeff Saturday's here and Chris Ballard isn't. <laughs> That'd be one hell of a storyline, wouldn't it? Um, I mean, I, I, think, I think they win 
win two of those games, right? Win a couple of those games, close them out, which I think is reasonable. I think yeah, that's what we're looking at right now. Well, look, I mean, it was it was indefensible with at one and seven, no doubt, and, and yes. losing in, in historic fashion in, in those two games you outlined, right? So, absolutely indefensible. But I also think if you do win a couple more of those games, I think your team is more invested. They're 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 more apt to to give more effort. I thought the effort did kind of wane at the end of the season, and and that was kind of disappointing. But I get it too, right? I mean, we're all human, you know. I mean, <laughs> look, I, are you going to try as hard in the, in a thirty point blowout as you do, you know, when the game's nicked and tucked, right? And it's the same thing in an individual game as it is over the course of an entire season, right? When the, right. when it's when you're four and eleven. I mean, you're not giving the same effort at that point that you might, at least not everyone is. So anyway, I, I don't disagree with you. I actually think that's a good point, and it, it'd be a fun conversation just to speculate what that would look like. <laughs> I guarantee you that at some point we'll revisit. I guarantee that. <laughs> Let's do that. That'll be fun. I, I'll say this. I, I do think I, I think the, the overarching uh, point there is that whatever um, – you know, whatever vision Jamerce might have had of bringing just Saturday back in the long term, it was made infinitely harder by the results. Yes. And I have no idea how strongly he felt about it in the end, but it, it, it wasn't an argument. He didn't have a leg to stand on. Had what you outlined happened, he would have had a leg to stand on, and that would have been different. Yeah, no doubt. All right. I know you got to run here, buddy. I appreciate it as always. You got it. Anytime. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So looking into it is what they're doing with Lamar Jackson. Jeff Hopkins tells me to get Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I brought this up at the start of the show. Am I being hypocritical? Because I say you got to show signs coming up this year. I put that in terms of over-delivering, which in recent history, this team has massively under-delivered. Am I being hypocritical when I say, all right, no to Jackson, draft somebody, even if it is Levis, to get this thing moving with a rookie quarterback in this direction and obviously foregoing, which certainly is a greater opportunity of relevancy, of production in 2023 with a guy that has been an MVP. I think that sounds hypocritical. But that's just my view. That's my vision. And I know that it was explained, and I thought accurately so from Steven about the differences between what you got in Ryan, what you got in Wentz, what you got in Rivers. But you don't know in terms of that. And then what you also got midway and at the end of the Luck career, a guy that had taken so many hits that in Luck's case, he was tired of doing it. In Jackson's case, even at a younger age, even at a younger age, how much toll has that taken for a guy who has not finished a season in the past two? We're here, start the clock on a rookie. I just think that's fool's gold. That's just temptation. That's temptation to turn back the clock to spots in which haven't worked so far. So what have we learned if they end up doing that? Nothing. But I do understand why you're there if you want it. 
because you're disappointed, you're frustrated, you're tired, you're tired of losing. Seems like even in the good situations, I mentioned this about winning. You know, in terms of Purdue, regular season, Big Ten title. You know, one step forward, two steps back, losing to Fairleigh Dickinson. But the IU women, for example, playing so strongly during the season and then being tripped up in three out of five down the stretch. We have not been able to catch that lightning in a long time around here. So a lot of you, in terms of winning, you're just completely starved, and I understand why. I do. I I think that, to me, is the the quicker the fix is exactly what you want. And this guy may be different, but he may not be in terms of treadwear, in terms of injuries. And that would be more costly than anything. So we'll hit that coming up on the other side. Lead with Caleb, if we want to do that, too. We could also hit a little college basketball conversation. Dusty May from yesterday, the podcast, 107.5thefan.com. If you want to hear the head coach of Florida Atlantic, I'm assuming you guys all with me on this because you have nobody to root for any longer, right? Unless you're like my kid and you're still in there with Gonzaga. You guys all on board? A little Green County for you? Green County here, Green County you're listening to, Green County coaching up FAU. Can I get you all on board with that? I mean, what the hell, you might as well. Hopefully it lasts longer than just coming up on Thursday on MSG. Speaking of Madison Square Garden, an iconic basketball player of the past, of the NBA, has passed away, Willis Reed. You know, of the moments in Madison Square Garden, and we often bring up eight points in nine seconds with Reggie Miller. Well, the games Reggie Miller had at Madison Square Garden, Michael Jordan had at Madison Square Garden. You know, all these iconic basketball moments. The Willis-Reed game in 1970 is right at the top of that list. Iconic he was in basketball terms. And he passed away earlier today. All right, quick break, and we shall return with your calls and more. Remember, Trackside's at 7 o'clock tonight. Remember, I'm on the road on Friday. I'll tell you where. We'll jump back to this Colts conversation, some college hoop, and more next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. SWV, everybody. Ben in Greenwood writes this. I don't need a quick fix, JMV. I want a new philosophy here toward drafting and free agency given. It hasn't worked in six years. Why would anyone stay interested in this product? That is my philosophy as well. 
Bobby writes this, so I think it's more of a distrust in Ballard's ability to draft a quarterback, not instant gratification. Oh, man. Jerry Cantrell is tonight. I think I was supposed to go to that. <laughs> Wait a minute. I guess I forgot. Now, who's supposed to remind me of that? Yeah, Jerry Cantrell is at the Vogue tonight. I completely forgot. I'm not really dressed for the Vogue tonight. Oh, man, I completely forgot about that. You, you guys are supposed to remind me about stuff like that. You know how forgetful I am. You know, with my lack of social calendar, I'm just used to going home. Come on, Frank. I guess you did remind me of it. Hey, JMV, do you think the city is cursed in sports for trading Peyton Manning? <laughs> yes, I do. I do. It's either that or it's that whole stupid deflated football saga. It's one of the two right there. So there needs to be a massive exorcism at some point. But yes, I do. And this is coming from somebody that doesn't step on sidewalk cracks, that does not walk under ladders, does not put the hat on the bed, none of that. I'm already unlucky enough. I don't need any help. Hey, Frank, does Cantrell play all his Alice in Chains catalog when he's live like that, or is it all like sun showered and that stuff? I've not seen Cantrell by himself. Man, you guys got to remind me. Old man's getting forgetful. Played basketball until 10 o'clock last night. He was a wreck. Yeah, but yeah, I do. Coming from somebody that's just a little bit superstitious. Yeah, there's a curse. I don't know how you exercise this. Maybe if you bring him back in some capacity, but I mean, hell, he probably doesn't want to come back in any capacity. He's doing more than he'd be doing around here right now. Breaking necks and cashing checks is what he's doing. And entertaining for the masses. But yeah, either that or I don't, I mean... Something with a deflated football whining after you get thrashed by New England afterwards. What about the deflated football? Cheating. <laughs> when you could have played with a toaster and you were still taking a thrashing? Yes, I do. I'm superstitious. We need an exorcism around here. Frank says stuff from a week ago was all the good, Allison Chain. Son of a gun. All right, Caleb at 239-1070. Hello, Caleb. Hey, how you doing? I'm just forgetful as ever. I feel that. I feel that. Hey, so I got two questions for you about Uh the Colts. Right. Uh, What do you think the odds are that we can either land C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson? And then also, I'm confused on today's signing. I just don't get why, you know, we signed a slot receiver like them and, you know, we could have gone for someone better, you know, I think is McCall Hardman or even, you know, kept – um, Paris Campbell in the, in the locker room with the um, I, I, don't, I don't know the availability of McKenzie. I'm just I'm guessing his availability has been more than Hardman. If you want to start there, that's what I'm guessing. His price tag may be a little bit less than Nicole Hardman as well. I'm, I'm yeah. again I'm just I'm guessing on that. 
Um, I, I just wanted them to fill a roster spot with somebody that has played in the past at wide receiver. So I wasn't looking for this, you know, grand, unbelievable signing right here. Just somebody that has been consistent and can produce is what I was looking for, and he can do that. I guess if you wanted to ask the question as to why, you know, they decided to, to do this instead of Paris Campbell, you know, obviously that's something to bring up. But I think Hardman was probably more about availability or lack thereof moving forward. Yeah, I just so when I saw Paris sign that one year three mil contract, I just I don't know anything about McKenzie's contract yet. I just think that we could afford him to, you know, to come back. He already had that rapport in the locker room, so I don't know why you just get rid of that. Yeah, and I just you also look at what Buffalo was doing because it was Devin Singletary, I think, yesterday that signed in Houston, and it looks like that they're you know cap related casualties they have going on in Buffalo right now. I, I'm not I have been an advocate of just bringing somebody in a wide receiver to help a young quarterback so I'm I, I get off on you know being critical of Ballard all the time. I think in this case I'll go ahead and say all right we'll see where this goes because that was definitely a need and you addressed it so we'll see how it plays out after that. Yeah, no, 100%. And then, like I said, you know, what do you think the odds are of getting either C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson? Um, Richardson, probably. Uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe Houston has a big surprise, but I would say Richardson is possible. Stroud is not. Stroud's going to go number one overall to Carolina. I still think Bryce Young's going to go number two. And then, logically, if somebody wants Richardson really bad, I don't know, maybe like a Seattle that's already got a starting quarterback and wants to move up. I'm just guessing here, hypothetically. They already have Geno Smith, but they want to move up and try to groom this guy, and you know he won't last until they draft. Maybe they come up to number three. Maybe the Colts, as Mel Kuyper Jr. suggested, trade up to number three to secure their spot. I've said all along, I thought at number four, they could get Will Levis and stay right there. They know a lot more than I do, but I'm assuming Richardson could go at three if somebody trades up, or he could be available at four and beyond. Okay. Yeah, no, 100%. All right. Well, thank you for answering my question. Yeah, you call any time, Caleb. Thank you. JMV, according to nearly everybody, taking a quarterback at number four can't miss because those four quarterbacks are nearly equal. I just know this. And I've said this, and unless this is a misdirection, and I'm sure it can be in the world of the NFL draft, I know that there has been interest going back in the fall when all of this foundation was falling apart and they were kind of a circus and a laughing stock and everybody got off on making jokes when they were going out to scout from what I was told that they had a great deal of interest in Levis. So that's why I've been so firm on Levis. That's not the guy that I want. But certainly it appears that's going to be the guy that they had interest in and certainly will have availability at either three or four. Certainly three, maybe four. Jeremiah is at 239-1070. Hello, Jeremiah. Hey, JMV. Thanks for taking my call again. Appreciate it. You got it. Uh, so you were talking earlier with Holder. I didn't catch it until late, but you said something about the culture actually looking at or maybe potentially trying to go for Jackson. Um, I think interest in is the way that it's put. I I wouldn't put a a great deal of weight in how much interest that might be. Gotcha. Not not dismissing a lack of interest is probably the way that you should put it. So. Do you think the fact that he's uh, from Louisville, that might be a, a draw? I mean, we just picked up, you know, Wara from, uh, you know, the Pacers. Uh, would that help 
draw more crowd. If, Jeremiah, uh, I don't think that matters at all. You know what? No. I don't think that matters at all. I don't. I think that bourbon in Louisville is more of a draw with <laughs> Heaven Hill Distillery than it would Louisville coming up here to watch Lamar Jackson. I 100% agree. Also, uh, <laughs> yeah. the other thing was, is yeah. uh, I'm sure you saw last night that the 25-point uh, uh, Pacers lead was obviously not safe in the first half. Yeah, it was pretty gross. That was. Yeah. What's the uh, What's the outlook now? Are we are Are the Pacers looking to try to fall short and uh, you know starting to slide? You see some players that are sitting. Uh, supposedly injured and uh, not making it uh, uh, off the bench at all if they're dressed like uh, ben, uh, Matherin. Are we starting to see this, uh, no, for lack of a um, better term, tanking? No, 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 no. They just were bad. They played a really good first quarter and three quarters that got progressively worse last night. Inexplicably, in Charlotte against a bad team. I just thought that that was a bad three-quarter performance. I don't think it was nothing more than that. But with Chicago... You know, not only you lose, but Chicago last night in overtime beats Philadelphia, a team that was on a lengthy win streak. I think the possibilities with the few games remaining is few and far between with this team making a legitimate run at a play-in scenario. All right. That was my thought as well, but I wasn't 100% certain. Just kind of wanted to get your input on it. How's everybody doing in Pittsburgh? Excellent. We're we're ready for the next JMV takeover. and too, buddy. Just got the, got the pool table put together, so... Oh. Ready to rack them up and break them. Oh, man. How many sticks do you have? What's that? How many sticks do you have? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> are they the sticks that you screw together in the middle, or are they just sticks? Sticks? Uh, I have one stick that I have. It's a special one uh, that uh, was a gift to me. Uh, only I get to use. Oh, the really? Other it's like Billy Baru. You're kind of like uh, Judge Smales and Caddyshack with his putter. Billy, Billy, exactly. Billy, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. I'll be invite. I can't wait for the invite to play some billiards over there. A little bit of eight ball uh, in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it. You got it, man. Thank you. A little bit of eight ball in Pittsburgh. You ever notice? You ever notice that the dude that carried the case in with the pool cue that you screwed in the middle? It was like, and I, I kept track of this back in the days at Kilroy Sports Bar when somebody came in. Normally, it was a big dork, but the second part about that is they weren't very good. I always thought, man, you could have left that case at home and not looked like a dork walking in and just pulled something off the wall and still sucked like you did. Did you really need the screw-on type? I mean, you roll in there like you're Tom Cruise in The Color of Money. And you play like Pablo Cruz. Line three is Matthew. Hello, Matthew. How are you? Matthew, are you here? How, how are things yeah. in Maine? How, my my cheeseburger, that was cheddar cheese on a hamburger, cheeseburger, with A1. And it was a significant hit Saturday night? Yes, it was. I'm telling you. A1, you could put A1 on a shoe and it would taste good. I don't doubt it. Yes. What do you got? Uh, who should we be cheering for in the Sweet 16? Florida Atlantic University, my friend, with Dusty May, the head coach, because he, like me, the pride of Greene County, Indiana, the county seat of Bloomfield, east of the river, right? 
is Eastern Greene County. That's Eastern, that's Bloomfield, that's Salisbury, Owensburg, Hendricksville, Scotland, Ridgeport, Bloomfield, east of the river, you're okay. If you go west of the river, then that gets a little bit sketchy. But east of the river, it's okay. So go with FAU for Greene County. All right, will do. Did I sell? Was that a good sales pitch I gave you? It was. Yeah. Yeah, you get sketchy. You go across the river, across the White River, right? And you get into the western, like Linton and Jasonville. You get into that area, it's a little bit sketchy. You stay east and you're all good. Gotcha. All right. I, I'm pretty good at staying east. <laughs> yes, you are. FAU, Dusty May, the head coach. Watch him. Cheer for him. All right, will do. Thank you, Matthew. Joe's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Joe. Hey, Joe. Thanks for taking my call. You got it, Joe. Hey, I just want to say, I'm okay with him getting Lamar Jackson. For at least for the 10 games he does play before he gets hurt, at least be exciting when we lose. (laughs) Yeah. And then when he gets down to try to really do something significant in in December, he's unavailable. It'll seem seem like the old days again. Yeah. Yeah, but at least we'll be exciting when we lose. Instead of well, boring. and see, Five that's Joe. Don't go, Joe. That's the point I brought up. Relevance, excitement, because it has been just a huge cloud of frustration for everybody with all the losing and the, the jokes that they have been. I think that's the reason why. I think that's the reason why people look at this and go, yeah, do this for the relevance and the chance that they're going to be good. I just think you end up doing what they have done in the recent oh, yeah. past that did not work out. So. Well, it's Chris Ballard. He said six years. He does the same thing. We still have, at the four most important holes of any football team, we have no one. We have no DN, no left tackle, no wide receivers, and no quarterback. There's a lot so, of no going on there, Judley. And we got. It's not going to matter. Yep. <laughs> Until he's gone, it's not going to matter. Well, he's going to have, to me, three more years. So we're going to go in. This is uh, year seven, year eight, and year nine. I believe oh, yeah. year year number nine is it, when I think things kind of hit the road, if you know what I mean. There, the rubber Absolutely. hits the road is what they say. I think so. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank well, you, Joe. A lot of us, a lot of us, are giving up our tickets until he's gone. Yeah, you know what? I know. I know you say that, and I, I'm not suggesting that that's not the case, but. Most people are still going to be entertained. I think most people are still going to go. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You may be speaking for a lot larger number than I'm giving credit for you doing right now. I just still think a lot of people are still going to go with whatever new quarterback you're talking about, especially if it's a rookie and even if it's Chris Ballard making that decision. But there are some like you. I certainly know that for sure. Well, I'll still be a Colts fan. They just won't get my money. Joe, I appreciate your call, my friend. Going to do you. that again soon. Quick break and we'll come back. I'll see you guys lurking. See if I can work you all in before the top of the hour. We don't have to go extra time tonight, do we? We will tomorrow night, though, right? Son of a. What? Yeah, I know. Jerry Cantrell is sold out tonight. But I. What? Jerry Cantrell stage played guitar. The thing is sold out tonight, Skivvies. Maybe I wasn't supposed to go. I thought I was. I, maybe I dreamt it. I'm not sure. Quick break. Back with you. Final time next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jerry Cantrell sold out at the Vogue. Jerry Cantrell is an awesome interview, by the way. Awesome. Damon, that is L.D. Smith Plumbing Lance and his local team. will get you all set up there, brother. C. Fitch is in Kokomo, where the Cats going for a state title in 4A coming up on Saturday. He says it was before that not going for the perfect season. Been cursed ever since. I, I still think it's the whole Manning. The whole Manning thing. And I, the Manning thing, the whining after that New England game, deflated football. <laughs> All that crap. Both of those things. All right, Paul's next. 239-1070. Paul, go ahead. Hey, what's up, JMV? Great. Thanks for the call. Thank hey, you, Paul. Quick question on Lamar Jackson. If you've already talked about this, my apology. But did you get the sense that he feels he's, he's playing on borrowed time, and that's why he's so obsessed with guaranteed money? Um, not, Hey, rephrase that one more time. You cut out in my ear. One more time. Do you feel as if he knows he's playing on borrowed time with all the injuries he's had, and that's why he's so obsessed on guaranteed money? Oh, I, you're talking about Ballard? No, I'm talking about Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah, no, that, uh, yeah. This, I think he deserves. You know, he's handling this himself, Paul. I think he feels he deserves that, and he's been shortchanged in the past. And he just seems like a very headstrong individual that wants his out of this and wants what he wants out of this, like all these other quarterbacks are getting. And I think what Baltimore has offered is very. Paul, thank you very much. Unsatisfied for him. We'll get back to that coming up tomorrow. Paul, thank you. Bill and Jeff, first ones on the show tomorrow as we leave you right here. Greg Rakestraw, Jeremiah Johnson, Stephen Holder, podcast 107.5thefan.com. James, thank you for everything. Enjoy Cantrell at the Vogue tonight. Report back to me tomorrow at 3. Have a great night. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.